Hi, I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF podcast. Voices is the most stimulating gathering of fashion industry leaders on the planet. What makes Voices different is that we mix our industry with fascinating people from other sectors, from the worlds of economics, activism, health and wellness, medicine, film, philanthropy, technology, media, and so many more. Fashion doesn't live in a bubble, and nor should it. This is one of the sessions from our 2017 gathering. Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to visit the headquarters of Lululemon in Vancouver, Canada, where my family lives. And I met Dr. Tom Waller, who leads the innovation space, which is called White Space at Lululemon. And as we got to speaking, he started talking to me about this concept that he's been working on for most of his career, the science of feel, how the clothes we wear and how they make us feel can impact our performance. As I'm sure you'll see, these are very powerful, interesting ideas for anyone who's interested in fashion, because of course, fashion makes us feel. So here's Dr. Tom Waller at Voices 2017 on the science of feel. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, So I kind of realized that this might sound like I'm going to give a science lesson. Um, Just a a teeny tiny one, so thank you for your patience. And um, what we heard a lot about in sort of some of the conversations, particularly today, was um, conversations around experience, and in particular, human experience. And it's the human part of experience that I'm a little bit obsessed with. So what I want to bring that to sort of into our world is those kinds of experiences that we're all having now. So, I mean, where I come from, uh, what I'm working on, uh, we build a lot of yoga pants. Has anyone worn yoga pants? And I am raising my... Yeah, there's more than you than that. Um, They feel pretty good, right? Um, Have you ever wondered why? Because I am obsessed with understanding why. Because I think that there's some magic there. There's something to be learned and understood about why something feels a particular way that makes you feel a particular way that just can't be magic. It must be something that a scientist like me can somehow reverse engineer. But I hired um, a new member of our research team the other, the other day. He has a PhD in sensory perception, joining a, a quite an interesting cast of creatives and academics. And um, he said, Tom, this is the most complex thing we know. And I think he was referring to the world. And um, I said, I oh, will just try it anyway. And so, This is what we're building. And what I want to do is is do a little bit of science experiment with everyone here. So if you, again, please bear with me. But how are you feeling today? If you wouldn't mind, shut your eyes. Take a, a gentle breath. Just get in touch a little bit with your body as it sits in the chair. And notice that you're wearing clothes, um, as it's appropriate for this kind of occasion. But also, have a think about those clothes. Think about the pressure on your body, the softness or the textures against your skin. Can you feel a seam? Can you feel something digging into your side? Are you a little bit warm? Are you a little bit cool? Are you just right? 
Well, whatever you did in choosing the outfit that you put onto your body today, you went through some kind of strategic thought. You made some choices, you covered yourself in clothes, and then you arrived here today. So if you open your eyes. Now, take that same projection, that, that thought of self, look at someone else in the audience, and imagine wearing their outfit. How would that make you feel? What would it be? Would it be right? Would you regret it in a moment? Would you be, I'd be too hot, I'd be too cold? Um, would I look weird? Um, but there's, there's many, many interesting facets to that. So first of all, I want to talk about clothing. Why do we wear clothing? Do you know that only two things that define us as a species over all other species behavior? Anyone know? I've kind of given one of them away. <laughs> clothing is correct. And we make fire. So we make fire and we clothe ourselves. Behaviorally. These are the behaviorally unique things that we do. So if you think about it, without clothing, we're not complete. In fact, we're going around as this sort of 99% complete species. And then what we do is we optimize our existence in the world with the clothing that we put onto our bodies. So if you think about where clothing started, it was to protect us. It allowed us to spread across a planet and off of it because we could cover ourselves in something that would keep us warm, keep us dry, keep us safe. And then something that you know a hell of a lot more than I do about, clothing became about expression. It identified you as part of a tribe or as an individual, a way to communicate with the world. Now, the work that I've done you know, previously in my life has been a lot about clothing as a third thing, clothing as performance. And if you think about the human body again, it's really not optimized to do a lot of the things that we ask it to do whether that's swimming really quickly through water. You know, we can use clothing to shape and squish the body into a certain form. We can cover up skin, because skin's kind of crappy in water, it's not very fast. And we can make you faster, quite a lot faster, <clears throat> whether you agree with that being fair or not. We can do the same with cyclists. We can change the form, the way the air flows over their body. They can become faster. But what if it wasn't anything to do with the actual speed or just the actual speed, just the reduction in drag that we can put onto a body? What if there were some sensory cues because of that that allowed you to access some performance that were otherwise not there for you? And this is what I believe is the fourth role of clothing. It's to create a specific sensory profile to get you what you want, to allow you to live your best life. And when I say performance, that's whatever you need it to be. And the pursuit of this, the pursuit of understanding, well, what is that fourth space? I call it the science of feel. Now, the science of feel is a combination of neuroscience, physiology, biomechanics, and behavioral psychology. You have to look at all of those three, those four things together. So neuroscience, our understanding of not just the brain, but the entire nervous system. Physiology, which is you know, how our bodies work and function and at a cellular level. 
biomechanics, how they move in space, as well as how they move relative to itself. And then behavioral psychology, because we are very odd species. We have very strange rituals, and they seem to be directly related to this thing called the science of feel. So if you want to understand a little bit more about that, you really need to understand the way that the senses work in all of those different conditions. So we have the things that we're most familiar with, eyes, ears, taste, smell, and touch. Most of what you hear about is the one that is not touch. In fact, it's one of the least understood areas of the senses. And it's probably because it's most complicated and why we're interested in hacking it. And so touch is, because of um, all these tiny nerve endings, all these tiny receptors that you have all over your body, you know, in your fingertips, you have about 3,000 pressure sensors in each fingertip, which is why we're so good at those motor controls, those fine motor skills, and doing things really delicately why we know exactly how much pressure and weight, picking up a glass, regardless of how much liquid's in there. In addition to that, we have temperature receptors, constantly helping us to understand the environment that we're in. We have pain receptors that are looking out for any kind of damage to tissue that we might have when we take ourselves a little bit too far. And then we have something called proprioceptors. Proprioceptors are deeper inside the body, and they allow us to understand where is our body in space relative to us, ourselves, and you know, how the body is moving? You know, it's why you can walk down the stairs with your eyes closed. <clears throat> That's not a request. So when you know about those sensory conditions, then you can start to think about hacking them. And so when we go from a place of, well, clothing seems to be something we cover ourselves with, what it seems to be interacting with is this world of touch. Then, well, clothing is hacking touch. And if you can hack touch by accident and we feel good, not really sure what good feels like right now, but then we can start to achieve some really, really interesting things. And so if you take the example of um, a clothing condition that might be, you know, maybe, I don't know, half of the audience that you'll have a particular, something that you'd like to affect, let's say wearing a bra. And I know it sounds a bit odd, a dude talking about bras, so I apologize in advance. This is an all-female team that have informed me of this, this detail. But when you are building a product like a bra, when we work with our athletes, our guests, we will ask them, how do you need that product to be? You know, we will be interviewing them in quite great detail about what it is and what is the requirements of the best performance of that product. And people will say, I need it to um, feel really supportive, I need it to feel light and you know, no, give me no distractions, I need it to feel um, feminine and I need it to feel, you know, if it can be light and not overheat me in any way. You know, classic stuff that you could all imagine is true. But everyone else that I've ever worked with or for has only ever heard the very last words in those statements. So they'll hear light, hot, support. And then they'll get a group of engineers and they'll work out, OK, if it's got to be lighter, we can reduce the weight. If it's got to be 
um, cooler, then we'll use cooling yarns or something like that. If it's got to be supportive, then we'll engineer in some structure and some kind of rigidity and make it stiffer. But they said, I want to feel supported. So what does feeling supported actually feel like? So that's where we start. We start with the human experience of support. And what you can do with that information is get into the sensory system and understand what are the attributes of feeling supported and how does it show up when you are supported with how you behave when you're trying to do a certain task. And if you've ever worn a sports bra, they tend to be, as I'm informed, extremely tight, extremely compressive. They're trying to stop movement. Does that sound comfortable to you? I, I know people are shaking their heads because they know. Um, it results in shoulder pain. It results in chest pain. You can't really breathe very much. You finish your activity. What do you want to do? Take the damn thing off. But if you think about how a person moves when they're running or something like that, their heel will strike on the ground and it sends a shockwave. There's a kinetic chain of movement that goes all the way up the body. And our bodies are pretty smart. Every tiny muscle activates and connects to the next and distributes its information through our tendons and ligaments. And the proprioceptors inside are going, OK, this is good, this is good. No damage reports from the pain receptors. Everything's coming. Moves up the body to the next stride. And what happens? Anything that is not contained or managed by muscle moves around like hell. Hair, breasts. Hair is not generally a source of discomfort because it doesn't really have any receptors. Pain uh, in the breast is a very, very real phenomenon. So most organizations will say, right, let's stop that movement. Movement is bad because that's what we see. That's what they told us we should do. So let's have zero movement. And we said, well, what if all we had to do was put movement in the right place? What if, by understanding that it's not about how far the breast moves, it's how fast the breast moves? Because we were able to correlate directly the acceleration of a breast to comfort, not the displacement of a breast to comfort. So that allows you to engineer the product in a completely different way and then create a situation where people are able to move with comfort, with freedom, without distractions. And then, in addition to that, you get them then using it, and you start to understand, well, we need to optimize this product. We can't just put this weird cradle onto someone's body. And you know, this is an interesting insight that we would get from some of our high-movement high athletes who think about uh, beach volleyball players. They're in a really interesting environment. It's really hostile, really hot, sandy, sweaty lots of eyes, and they choose to wear the smallest uniforms known to man. Um, there's not a lot of engineering you can put into those things. But what's really interesting with those guys as well is when we've got the engineering just right and we've got support that feels good, there's still something that either goes wrong and really well if you take a human-first and a feel-first approach. So um, you would imagine if I do this, there's something wrong with the product, right? Maybe. But there's a big difference. When I'm performing and I do this, where we would call that a product failure, it's created distraction. And when I'm in a reset position and I do this and I do this, some of you will be able to relate to that, and then I get ready for the next task. So humans are really interesting people, species, 
They need ritualistic sensory relationships to their product to feel right. I'm sure everyone's got lucky socks or something like that. It's not an accident. It's a very, very real phenomenon. And what I'm suggesting to you is that everything that you build, everything that you create, you're building a specific sensory profile. You're programming a person's response. And it can be prescribed. With expertise, you can be precise and be intentional and create really, really interesting experiences and levels of performance further down the line. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was hoping you were going to do the beach volleyball thing, <laughs> because one of the things that I remembered from our chat during White Space was that whole, can you give us a little bit more detail on that? Because I just find that thing so fascinating. Because it's not necessarily that it was about fit. It was about ritual. Why is ritual so important for performance? Um, well, we're so, we're so kinesthetic. You know, we're learning movement patterns to be really good. And, and in elite sport, the precision of that movement is really like, like gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal, no medal. And so if you can help someone with their programming and their reset of their programming, knowing that you know, your performance isn't really your body, it's the programming system that's running the body. So giving people that opportunity to do a ritualistic reset gives them that control over the software and actually moves them towards that place of flow rather than, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, movements get more staccato, and I lose control. Right. So how do you think, for someone who's not an elite athlete like me, mm -hmm. um, unlike you, um, how does that idea of ritual, do you think that, that fits into the clothes we wear every day? Um, well, like I said, I'm pretty sure most people have got lucky socks, and so maybe you'll think about them a little bit differently now. Yeah. Um, because it's likely that you have a sensory relationship with them. And everyone, I mean, that's why I joined you know, the company I work for now, which is um, the opportunity to move away from performance as defined by an athlete's success is nothing. It pales into comparison with the opportunity to work with all human beings and have them have a better relationship with their perception of themselves. Because when you know how to manage that, that the best version of you suddenly becomes uh, that much more available to you. Thanks for listening to the Business of Fashion podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and subscribe today. Don't forget to visit businessoffashion.com to learn more about BOF and everything that we do.